Welcome back to the Intelligent Investment Market Update. Uh, excited to, to be back with our first 2024 version with uh, Matthew Dahl. So thanks for being back, Matt. How were uh, your holidays, dude? I know you had a crazy holiday season combined with a move, an office move. So I, I, I want to say how were your holidays, but I kind of know that they weren't the best, probably. <laughs> yeah. Basically, November 1st through December 31st of last year, I think aged me 25 years. Uh, we, the, the building that we were in, uh, anyways, the guy, uh, the the landlord, big attorney firm down, a good, great guy, friend. He's like, hey, I'm expanding. You're expanding. We're going to grow into each other. So I'm like, okay. So long story short, um, I found a really good place. But part of it was they said, you know, you kind of need to be in here by by January 1st. I was like, okay, fair enough. I'll I'll do it. So negotiated everything. You know how that goes. And and then for the next basically 40, uh, 35 days, it was paint, carpet, all that stuff, moving into the new place, getting movers ready, getting installers. It was it was just a nightmare. During Christmas, which of course, and and you know, of course, we had to we had to have Christmas for everyone because that's what we do every year. So we had a big Christmas dinner and Christmas putting on Christmas itself for everyone, plus a Christmas dinner, plus a Christmas party for my staff, plus moving the firm. You know, it's just like so. I was really happy to ring in 2024. Last year was a good year for the markets. What last year did was recovered the 2022 inflation interest rate, um, you know, pain that we all had to suffer. So, you know, people, so we, we finished, we finished, um, 2023 at 40, call it 4770, 4769 and change. Um, and it's funny is, uh, yields actually through the course of, of 2023 went up. If, if you look at it through the 10 year treasury, it actually went up quite a bit, um, about 60 or so basis points, um, but what the what the reason the market recovered was because the market's now pricing in lower rates and a more accommodative Fed in 2024 and 2025, right? So we we thought the beginning of 2023 that there would be some some sort of consternation um, during the year, but the but frankly it it really took off um, immediately into January and. Other than the, the the two instances, the one in March with the Silicon Valley Bank banking crisis that we had, that brought the market down to flat for the year uh, in March, but then it took off again. And then we had that that sort of 90-day 10% correction from basically August 1st through November 1st. In fact, the closing low was that day. In fact, I think we called it right here on the show. We said we believe it was, I think it was a show after that show where we said that 4117 on October on October 27th. We believe that to be the closing low. It turned out it was. So, you know, it's for that for that little correction cycle, and then basically from from October twenty seventh through December thirty first, uh, you know, the market ran five hundred and fifty points. The S and P ran five hundred fifty points. So, you know, that's that's pretty solid. What we're seeing now in January is is a little bit of a give back. But not today. Today is actually pretty good. Today's, the, you know, we we kind of had a three week internal correction cycle. We had some market breadth. The market breadth kind of waned a little bit. It kind of contracted, and a lot of that had to do with yields. Um, if we look at Q three, Q four, and again, we're always kind of using the ten year treasury. You know, that's just kind of our benchmark. Right? Typically, 
we see a round trip and that's what's happened, right? So Q3, we started at 386 on the 10 year. We finished Q3 at 457 on the 10 year. So it jumped, you know, whatever, 70 basis points, right? Q4, it did the exact opposite. We started at 457, actually 459 because it went over on the weekends, but we finished at 388. So it round tripped it within two basis points. The, the yields are circling the drain. Does that make sense? It's spiraling. Okay. Yeah, I got so you. Now. Yeah. We, we've had we've we had some good economic data. CPI came in a little bit hotter than consensus. Not too bad. Came in at thirty basis points. As I consensus is twenty five. No big deal. Uh, the PPI came in actually cool, which was good. Uh, nothing. Jobs have have come in strong. The UMish came in at seventy eight eight today. Right. Consensus was sixty nine five. So consumer sentiment came in hot, hotter than expected. So which caused another little pop in the yields. But it's not, I don't think we're going to retreat back to sort of circling the drain here. We're not going to go back to 457. In my opinion, let me knock on wood here, knock on wood, right? I don't think we're going to go to 457. I think we're going to go to probably simple Fibonacci retracements, 38.2 or 50% of that 70 basis point move. So call it a 30 basis points to about 30, 35 basis points, somewhere in there. So if you take 388 and put 30, you put a 30 on it. There you go, 418. We're sitting at 417 this morning. So I think we're kind of at the very upper end of where the 10 year is going to go. 415 to 420, it might go to 422. It, it might not, but I think we're kind of there. And from there, I, I expect yields to roll over and retreat back. What we're seeing in the equity markets, actually, it's, it's January 19th. We saw it yesterday and today after sort of a three-week internal slow-moving, not correction, just sort of a consolidation period, right? is the, the equity markets are now starting to get ahead of the bond markets a little bit, saying, okay, we think yields are going to roll over and um, so it's going to be good for equities. And I think there's going to be a much bigger rollover into the spring. I think that's when our small caps are really going to start to run. I think that's when the, the market breadth will really start to expand. We'll see the equal weight S&P outperform the cap-weighted S&P. So this may end up being a slight segment transition. Um but you kind of brought it so so if you don't want to go here we don't have to if you don't want me to go add on you but um so at the risk of maybe un diving into something we don't want to get into here i am really intrigued about fibonacci and i don't really know anything about it and you just happened to bring it up so i don't know if you want to talk about fibonacci and the concept of that in the show here but if you know enough about it to bring it up I'm hoping maybe you know enough about it to tell me what the heck it is. I, I get the concept of Fibonacci. I know it's a sequence of numbers found in nature. Is there a reason that we should be paying attention to that? Or what is the reason that we should be paying attention to that in the market? Right. So it's basically the golden ratio, 1.618. Okay. And it's it's effectively, if you look at population dispersions, if you look at both in animals and humans, it kind of works through these levels and the, and the first level of Fibonacci retracement is, is 23.8, uh, 23.6. Uh, it's been a minute since I've studied all of these. Um, second level is 38.2. Uh, the next level is 50. And, it, and I'm going to interject here. It, it's some, what we're kind of referring to there is almost like cycles within cycles within cycles within cycles. Right. Right. So typically if they're, if they're, let's say you have a move of 100%, right? 
typically you'll see a retrace, and there's a retracement of that move. You have levels that it will retrace to. Typically, as found in nature, as found in many different things. Okay, pop again, population dispersions. It's it's, it's really cool. You'll 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 see that come down twenty three point eight percent, or thirty eight point two, or right at fifty, or right. I believe the, the last one was sixty eight point nine or sixty something like sixty nine, and then above that is is a hundred percent. Okay, so you kind of see when when something kind of does this and then pulls back down, it'll pull back down to one of those levels. Okay, and I think because and it's and it has to do with the mathematical relationship of the of the successive number and the relationship of one point six one eight. These the, these trading algorithms, right? Because a, a lot of these big machines are now running trading operations. The yields, you know, it, it, it measures yields and it will buy and sell stocks and positions within portfolios at even large investment banks large trading trading houses those are those are algorithmic tradings trading mechanisms right we don't do that here it's all here it's all just you know what's in our noggins and what our research says but there's a lot of trading algorithms a lot of them use fibonacci okay so because fibonacci happens has happened in the, through natural occurrences they have now been programmed into these algorithms so now they're even more, they're, they're more apparent to see. You can really see them because you can actually see where the algorithm saw it at 20, 23.8, 38.2. I'm like, okay, the machine said that's enough of a, the, the, it should drop to about this level based on price, based on valuation, based on what's happening in yield, based on what's happening in income, blah, 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 blah. So it should fall to about this range. Maybe the range is you know, 38% of the move or 35% of the move. So you'll typically see that Fibonacci number show up pretty close. And that's the algorithm saying, hey, this is close enough. It's a Fibonacci number and it's gone. So it's sort of the, it's sort of the, 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 the dog that wagged the tail and now the tail's wagging the dog a little bit. So what do you enjoy more, Matt? The conversations about hypothetical, or not hypothetical, but just like theoretical investment philosophies and concepts or like real time this is what's going on in the market i like a, a balance of both of those so yogi Berra said it best in theory there is no difference between theory and practice in practice there is so that's why i mean i think everybody default loves theory because you can learn it you can understand it it makes sense practice is different i mean whether you're playing a sport, stand at the plate, the ball comes across, you hit in this area, you will hit the ball. But in real life, it's not like that. When you play a basketball, like I played basketball as a kid, you run your plays in practice. Well, it never happens in the game. You run the plays in, in, in the game, but the defense does something completely different, right? And they and they account for what you're for the play you're trying to run because they run the same plays that you run, so they know how to defend against it, right? So same thing with the markets, right? is we all have the same data, so we're all trying to run effectively the same plays. We're all trying to apply the same knowledge, okay? But the, 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 the defense, which is your market competitors, right? They know the same thing you do, and they know the plays you're trying to run. So how do you stay ahead of them? See what I'm saying? So that's where the practice comes in. You, you have to look at what's actually happening, okay? Not just what you think is gonna happen. That's where sort of fundamental analysis comes in, and for what I was dismissive for many, many years was was technical analysis. Oh, I'm a I'm you know I'm a fundamentalist. I look at earnings. I look at economics. I look at interest rates. This is what's going to this what and to the most and for the most part is true. Earnings and the markets correlate ninety four percent. We know that through history. But 
market technicals because technic because technicals are so utilized now. I.e., if your technical levels you're using are Fibonacci retracements or, or or moving averages, or whether they're simple moving averages or exponential moving averages, Ichimoku clouds, DeMarc counts, whatever system it is you're using, Keltner channels, it doesn't matter. Okay, they are now part of the zeitgeist of the market trading mechanisms, right? So they affect the market. So you have to be aware that there's those things happening, and 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 that's where the practice comes in. So you can actually see what the market, the decision of the market in real time through the technicals. So to say that there's no wisdom in technicals is a, is a huge mistake. There is a lot of wisdom in the technical aspect and technical analysis, okay? Equal to fundamental. Technical will give you more, more of, a, of a contemporary idea of what's taking place now and what will likely take place in more of the near to intermediate future, whereas your fundamentals will earnings, interest rates, we'll kind of give you more of a longer term look at what we think is going to happen over the course of, you know, a year, two years, four years, sector base, which sectors we should be using, you know, which parts of the economy are going to contract, which parts of the economy are going to expand. And you have to be able to understand both, right? If you specialize in fixed income, okay, you'll, I get that. But typically you'll, you'll, you'll kind of look at everything through the, through just that prism rather than saying, looking it through small caps, mid caps, large cap growth, large cap value, whatever. You know, I mean, it, it, it can get, even get a specialized short duration fixed income, high credit fixed income, all these other things. And they have specialists and those guys do a great job. Those guys and girls do a, a wonderful job over there. But as a portfolio manager, as because I'm not an analyst, those people are analysts. As a portfolio manager, you have to be able to understand sort of all aspects because if you know, okay, well, all right, we're going into a, we have a hot economy, Inflation's running amok. Fed's going to raise interest rates. Okay, so what does that look like? We know how it's going to uh, affect the bond market. Obviously, we're going to have to pull duration way, way back. Okay, um, but how's that going to affect the equity side? Okay, we know our higher multiple companies and our high dividend companies are going to have a tough time next year. So where do we go? So that, so there there's a lot of Venn diagram that happens between those two. So if you understand both well you'll understand that intersection better and you'll be a better portfolio manager rather than just being specialized in one area. You said it took you a while to adapt and really accept technicals, but you did because you understood whether it made, whether it was your core philosophy or not, the fact that other people thought it was is going to affect the market. So you have to know it. Absolutely. You know, and that goes back to, you know, again, communication to the general public and people we see on TV or print media, whatever. And they tend to take a very matter-of-fact singular position. Well, you know, we're not sure that the Fed has done cutting rates. So therefore, we're going to be bullish. Or, or we're, therefore, we're going we're going to main, we're going to stay bearish. Okay. Or rather than taking into account, well, the market has made a decision. Look at the technical and out. Look at the technicals. The market has made a decision. Here it is. It is January 19th, 2024. It is 1.30 on the East Coast, 10.30 on the West Coast here. By the way, I fully expect you guys to begin the weekend well for us, properly. Thank you. Um, Next thing on my list, always, man. The market, you know has, me. officially, <laughs> the market has officially broken out today, as we, as we speak right now. The market has officially broken out. It's gone beyond its 
all-time intraday high of 48.18. It's at 48, uh, 48.29 as I'm looking at it right now. The all-time closing low of 47.96 on January 4th of 2020. This all happened on January 4th of 2022. The all-time closing high was 47.96. I believe we'll close higher than that today. That's that's a breakout. That's an all-time high. So, okay, if you dismiss fund, if you dismiss technicals entirely, and and you're again one of these bears who gets on TV and says, "Well, I don't know," and the earnings, <laughs> what have you done? Who have you hurt? You've hurt your clients. If you still have any, you know we you know we did very well for our clients last year. Well, guess what? They like it. So guess what? I like it. I want to do that again <laughs> and again and again. So whatever set of tools I have to use to stay ahead of the competition and get my clients a return well beyond the market, whether the market's a negative year or a positive year, okay, is what I'm going to do. I, and to, so I'm not going to pigeonhole myself and say, well, I'm a fundamentalist and earnings growth is going to be 11% and it's going to be based on these seven sectors. So I'm going to deploy capital there and that's what's going to happen and nothing else is going to, but we think the market's not really, we think the market's overpriced. So blah, blah, blah. And then, okay, the market was up 24% last year. Our core portfolio, we call Prosperity 1M, which is our kind of our go-to 23 uh, uh, equity positions. Uh, a couple of fixed income positions is, is an 85-15 portfolio, 85% equity, 15% bonds and cash. Finished 44% last year. Okay. Are those individual, you said 23 equities, are those individual names or is that a Individual stocks, correct. Individual stocks. Okay. It's a lot of work to do that, but it's, but that's what we're paid for. I did a a little, went down one of those little ADD rabbit holes several years ago about optimal portfolio sizing. And basically found that like once you get above about 10 to 12 individual positions, and obviously it depends on like the, the construction of the, the portfolio and everything, that your the benefits of diversification start to exponentially kind of fall off at a certain point and somewhere in that 20 to 50 range with a sweet spot right around 25 was kind of where I found that like 10 would at least give me minimal diversification. But even for my biggest clients, I didn't want to go more than 25. Like that's about the that, that was enough to me. Sure, and, sure. I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a Benjamin Grahamite, right? He's what what did he say? Um, mm -hmm. If you have more than thirty stocks in your portfolio, you don't know what you're doing. If you have less than ten, you're crazy. Okay, so there you, you go. I did not realize that that was a Benjamin Graham uh, 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 concept, but yeah, that that's that makes total sense. Charlie Munger, that. Charlie Munger, God rest his his soul with his thick Coke bottle glasses guy was hilarious. He coined the term, he coined a term. I don't know. wasn't that long ago. Diversification. People, people diversify over diversify for the purpose of diversifying rather than no, here's yeah. a good set of comp here. The economy is here. It's going to expand. However, it's not going to expand like a beach ball. It's going to expand like a jellyfish, right? Parts of it are going to yeah. expand. Other parts are going to contract. Maybe industrials, technology, uh, uh, communication services, healthcare, we believe are going to expand. Uh, consumer discretionary, we believe that's going to expand. Other parts of the economy, maybe consumer staples, materials, those types, utilities, those are probably not going to grow all that much. If, if it, They probably will grow less than the rest of them, which would actually cause money to flow out of them. So 
your Sid Cottle investment is a discipline of relative selection. So that's that's the relative part of that's what we have. So let's take this this perfect sphere at the beginning of the year and figure out what bumps are going to come out of it, okay? And what and what where where it's going to cave in. Stay away from where it's caving in, and go to where the bumps are going to be, where 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 the parts of the economy are going to expand. Then you look into those sectors of the economy. Who is doing the best job? Who's got the best leaders? Who's got the best credit? Who's got the best war chest? Who's got the best CFO? Who's 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 expanding their total addressable market better than anyone? Who's going into other parts of the world? Who is doing that? Who is what's happening? And, and then you start to then you start to build that out, right? And that's how we build our portfolios. We start we we, we use a top down we I use a top down mentality. I start at the top. Are we going to expand or not? Okay, we are. Where are we going to see the expansion come from? What sectors? Okay. What companies within those sectors are the superstars and why are they the superstars? Okay. And that's how we build the portfolios, right? That's our thesis. We think these areas are going to grow because they have good war chests and then people are utilizing their products more than the others, blah, 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 blah. So when you just buy everything, nothing happens because you have, again, you have the economy that's expanding by 2% and then you have five sectors that are going to grow by 15% and you have a set of sectors that aren't going to grow by that much and you have some sectors that are actually going to contract. So if you're in everything, by the time you're all said and done, well, maybe the whole thing expanded by 2% and then at the end of the year, your portfolio was up 2% rather than just trying to find where well, they and into. Well, and, and another thing that gets lost on that, and I'll try to make this point really quick, but another thing that gets lost on that is that those uh, the effects of compounding math apply to that situation as well. In other words, the difference between picking the best performing sectors and companies of that as opposed to the worst is going to be a very big gap. I mean, you can make money in the best and lose money in the worst. So there is, and, and then I, that kind of ties me back to something that I really wanted to make sure we had some time for. One of my favorite quotes is that the market can stay irrational longer than you can stay solvent. Yep. Okay. It doesn't matter if the market agrees with you or not. So I love that quote, but you touched on this a minute ago, and I think we kind of got interrupted and never really got to spend more time on it. But it was almost this cycle of humility, right, where success breeds arrogance, which then makes you stupid and makes it harder for you to replicate your success, right? So go, that's, a, that's, go a, great, that's that. a great way to put it. That's a great way to put it. We, we, and we see that we see that all the time. You know, we have a proprietary screening method that that we've developed that works really, really well. And it's based off of earnings growth. It's based off of sales growth. It's based off of, you know, and analyst ratings, all kinds of things. Okay, but it starts there. And then when we go and once I kind of start, I I build the the, the we'll build the general chassis of what the portfolio is going to look like. Then I'll start to, then I, that's when I go into the technicals and I start to do comparative analysis of this stock. Okay. If I want to get rid of this one, you know, if I want to, I want to, if I want to add Palo Alto networks and I want to get rid of Disney. So let's, let's compare the two uh, and see is, is Palo Alto in, in the nascent or, 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 or in the stages of, of outperforming Disney. Okay. Because maybe the, the earnings growth on Palo Alto networks is, is, is really strong. The growth is, is, is really, really strong. Um, the growth compared, uh, growth, the price compared to their growth is much, much better. However, they could be far more expensive. So maybe we, we need to see what the market's saying. 
as a, as a comparison. So I'll compare the two directly in, inside of one chart. And it's really great. I can do that. And that gives the, and that lets me know, okay, I'm, I think this is a good decision. What does the market think? What does the market say? What does the market tell me? Because again, it doesn't matter if the market's right or wrong. The market is right. You have to respect the decision of the market. And then we, I can, through this, through this program, I can look at, are we in the nascent stages of this change? Are we in the middle stages of this change or, 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 the, or this outperformance? Or are we in the, or, or is it starting to roll over and potentially going the other way? Am I, am I, am I late to this? Am I late to this game? Right. And I can do, and, th and that's what we look at. So that's where we use a lot of technicals for is, is where are we at? I like this for these set of fundamental reasons, but where are we at in this trade? Are we, are we too far down the road? Are we going to roll over soon? And you're not, we're not going to be hundred percent correct. Of course not. But it gives us an idea of what the market's deciding. on. So you just have to understand both sides, just like you have to understand, you know, you're, you're you have to be a good fixed income person manager to, to be a good equity person, a good equity manager, in my, in my opinion, and be able to bring them together. Uh, you know, as as we're looking at as we're looking at the markets, we're looking at the bond markets this year. You know, we really grabbed the, last year. Um, it wasn't probably the best thing to do, but we grabbed pretty much the the, the long end of the curve using the TLT, the twenty year. This year's different. You know, as as we think the shorter end of the curve is going to come down, and the mortgage, the spread of the mortgages are going to come into a normal, more of a normal range. Typically, we see that range 1.65% between the 10-year treasury note and the 30-year fixed mortgage. That relationship is 1.65% historically. It's much higher. That's about 3% right now. Okay. So as the Fed starts to lower rates at the on the policy end, starts to lower their policy rate, that's going to bring that short end of the curve down. That's going to bring mortgage rates down. That's going to tighten up that spread. So we went into, we're not going into real estate this year. But we're going into mortgage-backed securities on the fixed income side. And then we're really going to grab that belly of the curve. We've got the mortgage-backed securities, and then we've got a big position in three to sevens, and then we've got a big position in seven to tens, and then we have another smaller position out in uh, 10 to 20s. We didn't just grab the 20. See what I'm saying? And that's and I know as those start to come down, we think industrials are going to do much better in this space. We think healthcare is going to do really well this year. Uh, we think... Tech is going to continue to outperform this year. We think ComServe is going to continue to outperform this year. So, and we think consumer discretionary is going to do, this, do well this year. As people's as interest rates start to come down, autos, home, those things will start to do better. So, th there, there, there absolutely is an overlap there. Again, back to that Venn diagram. But as as we look at these things, and I, I was doing some analysis here on um, 2024, 2025 earnings growth as on these different sectors as viewed through the the sector of ETFs, right? So like industrials, you know, we're seeing about 11.2% earnings growth this year and 13.3 in 2025. Okay, that looks good. Tech, 13.90, you know, 14% earnings growth this year, probably 17% in 2025. Now it's a more expensive sector, but I think it's 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 still growth. So when we juxtapose that against, I don't know, um, let's pick on Home builders. I like home builders in a, in, a, in a decreasing mortgage rate environment. Earnings growth this year is going to be 2.8%, 2025, 9%. I think it's going to do be, I think it's going to be a strong sector, but there's 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 going to be less earnings growth. A, a lot of people are bullish on banks this year. Okay. On what? I don't know, I don't know that they're going to be wrong or right. I don't know, but I you know, through an earnings spectrum, we're looking at about six percent earnings growth this year and about eleven and a half next year. Okay. Again, relative selection. Do I want to be there? Or do I want to be in healthcare where it's probably 20% this year? 
and 13% in 2025. And again, back to tech and, and small caps is viewed through the, through the, through the IWM. We're going to get 26% earnings growth this year, you know, and, and 24% in 2025. So, you know, as we see, as we, as we, as I start to look at these earnings growth patterns, okay, then I go into the technical side and start comparing the two against it. Okay, let's, let's look at the XLF against the XLV. Okay, is the, is, is the XLF underperforming and continuing to underperform? I don't want, I don't want to be in that trade. I want to be, I want to, I want my charts up and to the right. Okay. That's what yeah. we do. In fact, we talked about, we talked about that in, 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 uh, I believe it was our, it was one of our earlier shows. It was middle of, uh, it was middle of October. We said there was going to be a chase toward yeah. the end of the year. And we got it. We got it. Yeah. And what are you going to step into? You're not going to step into anything that's going down, hoping it's going to turn to go the other way. You're going to step into something that you're going to step into whatever positions you can that are up and to the right because you you need you, you need to get on that rock you need to get on that road. So that's you know well, that's see, and that's the concept and 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 that's the concept of not catching the falling knife. A lot of people will say, "Don't try to catch the falling knife." That that so the fact is whether that's good philosophy or bad philosophy doesn't matter. The fact is it's real philosophy, right? Like it happens. So there's a reason that it's very hard to change the direction of a falling stock. It's because most people avoid those. I mean, there, there are all these different, they're not even fallacies. They're just approaches. The fallacy is ignoring them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's happening right now, actually. Sorry to interrupt. But I think you're going to see a lot of people try to catch Boeing. Mm -hmm. right now. Boeing's down from, what, 260 down to 210 or 215 right now. I think you're going to see a lot of people trying to catch the bottom of this thing. We took a quick look at this. I think it's probably going to go to 185, 190 before I would get brave with it. You see what I'm saying? So, you well, know, see, and that's where there's that. I, 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 I want to see it go there and then turn around yeah. and go the other way. I want to get on the plane. I don't want to try to catch it. Yeah. And I think that's a great point there on, on the concepts of the show and what you said earlier about theory versus like real time, because that's a theory that I totally agree with, but it could be 30 minutes of show. We can, we can bring up two minutes of that to talk about a real example right now, like Boeing, right? But the point is, it's all of the, it, it, there is such a delicate dance and there's such a, a, a choreography really to, to navigate in the markets the right way. And it takes understanding the science behind what you need to do, plus the analytics and, and the art form of understanding that everybody's opinion matters, Who's matters the most today is what's very fluid. <laughs> right. Well, dude, uh, before we go, let me make sure we're clear on this, that the intelligent investment market update is that for educational and informative purposes only. Neither myself nor Matt know anything about your personal financial situation. Therefore, we should not be giving you investment advice, so we are not. Would your attorneys like you to say it differently, Matt? <laughs> Absolutely not. Please consult your own investment professional. Or any of your portfolio. Or Matt. <laughs> feel free to give us a call right here at ARPG. Our number is 702-655-8300. Any one of our advisors would be happy to talk with you and get you pointed in the right direction. There you go. My man, I think we just nailed the exit. I think that's the, the permanent outro right there. Perfect. Make sure your weekend is up and to the right. <laughs> See you, man. Talk to yeah. you soon.